Welcome to the Men's Health Matters podcast with Sorted's Steve Legg and Dr. Ken. So here we go, a brand new podcast with myself, your old friend Steve Legg, and the one, the only, the inimitable Dr. Ken. Hey, Doc. Hey, Steve. How are you? <laughs> Let me tell you, the applause is so deafening we can't hear you. <laughs> can you not hear me, really? Oh, I can hear you now. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good, thanks. I'm good, yeah. Busy, busy, but uh, all good. You're always busy. Docs are always busy, aren't they? Yeah, I'm afraid so at the moment. It's uh, it's always busy. Um, but hey-ho, um, keeps me out of mischief. So is is doctoring a seasonal thing? Um, are you busier December, January, February? You would, you would think so. Well, I would think so. Yeah, there does tend to be more kind of viral illnesses and... Um, COVID's still about and got uh, flu just now and uh, the old streptococcus. So uh, scarlet fever uh, has been uh, on, on on the rise. Um, and I think it was a few months ago, some kids down south died, which obviously very, very sad, but um, it does happen. Um, but it's uh, it's really uh, set the Set the public uh, on edge, and um, we get lots of requests for, uh, oh, can you see him because he's got a sore throat? When did it start? Well, um, this morning. Mm, I probably don't need to see him then. Ah, interesting. Doc, are you always jenning up on new stuff? Um, yeah, well, most of it's, uh, a lot of it's um, repeat business, you might say. So it's um, common things are common. Um, there aren't some, I mean, COVID when it came along was a completely new thing that we knew nothing about and uh, we're still you know, learning about. Um, but streptococcus and, you know, um, scarlet fever has always been about, and we, we've seen it year on year. It's not a new thing for us. Um, it's just when it, when the media and the press get hold of things, it's oh my gosh, everybody mm. seems to think they've got it. Yeah, got to keep on top of uh, any new developments, um, which is uh, yeah part of part of my job, I suppose. So we are so excited about this new podcast because as blokes, we are terrible at, at seeing people like you, aren't we? Why is this? Is it embarrassment? Is it not yeah. not wanting to waste your time? Um, I think it's a historical thing. Um, historically men generally never liked talking it wasn't a manly thing to go and see the doctor about whatever um we're, we're slowly eating away at that and getting getting rid of the stigma that's attached to it um there's still some areas that we, men don't like talking about or they certainly don't like talking about to a female gp um but Generally speaking, it is getting a bit easier. People are tending to come forward and we desperately encourage folk, you know, if you're worried about things, come and talk to us or, or contact us, speak to us about it. And if it's nothing, we can reassure you. If it's something, then we'd rather pick it up early. Um, so prostate cancer, one of the things that has been, been in the press for the last week while, um, you get more and more people, guys now saying, oh, I'm a bit worried about my prostate. Um, vast majority, and it's nothing, but it's good that they come forward because there are a few who go, oh, oops, that's actually not good. Um, but we've caught it early, and the outcomes are likely to be much better. Yeah, I saw Paul Burrell, um, Diana's butler, talking to Lorraine about it this very week. Yeah. yeah. And so nothing we- embarrasses you, does it? Oh, gosh, no. I, I, no matter what people tell me, I can always say to them, I've heard worse than that. 
I have. I wish. I wish I had over the years. I've been doing this for more the years than I care to remember. I wish I had kept a, a little diary that I could have written into a book. Um, no names, no patent drill, but my goodness, some of the stuff I've come across. It, yeah, 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 we give you some good comedy material, I tell you. And you've seen it all. Seen it all. Um, yeah, seen it all. <laughs> now, Doc, I got to 55, fit as a fiddle, and I've started falling to bits. Um, you know, I've been on this cancer journey for the last year or so. It gave me type 1 diabetes, and I know we're talking about diabetes today. Um, am I just particularly unlucky, or is that a typical thing for men that things start to go wrong once you get halfway through your life? Yeah, um, it's it's not just men; it's it's everybody. You know, you, we, we're not built to last forever. Um, the human body is an amazing creation, um, but it doesn't last forever. Things wear out. Things uh, you develop. Things as you get older. Um, these kind of problems do tend to be commoner as we get older. Um, I think you've been perhaps a little bit unfortunate in getting two for the price of one, so to speak. <laughs> yes. But uh, yeah, um, as as you get older, illnesses and and various you know conditions are are commoner, definitely. Here we go with another great episode. So here we are with Doctor Ken, our medical expert. Um, Good morning, Britain. Have Dr. Hillary. Well, we have Dr. Ken. Uh, <laughs> we're very happy about that. It's like top trumps with docs. Uh, Dr. Ken, we are talking about diabetes today. Um, every month we're going to be talking about another issue, particularly pertinent to fellows. So diabetes this time. Tell us the difference. Give us a bit of an overview to start with. And then we're going to go through the, the FAQs, frequently asked questions about diabetes. Yeah. Sure. So um, diabetes is a lifelong condition um, that essentially it causes the person's uh, blood sugar level to become too high. And there's two main types. Type 1, where the body's immune system attacks and destroys the cells that produce insulin. And that's in the pancreas. And type 2, uh, where you either don't produce enough insulin or the cells in the body don't react um, to insulin the way they should, so it's what's called, called insulin resistance. There is also another one that ladies get during pregnancy called gestational diabetes, but it's a relatively uncommon one. Yeah, I've not heard about gestational until my daughter Amber is pregnant, and she phoned me up and said, Dad, you're not going to believe it. I've got gestational <laughs> diabetes, but that can go, can't it, the second the baby's born? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it typically once uh, it needs very carefully managed during the pregnancy, uh, obviously for mum and for the baby. But once uh, once the, the baby's been delivered and mum has kind of recovered from the immediate aftermath, then it usually resolves. Although there is a slightly greater chance of developing diabetes subsequently. Talk it, to it's us. Quite common though, the uh, you know diabetes in general. There's five million people in the UK with it. Wow. Ninety um, percent of people with diabetes have got type two, so it is much, much commoner um than than type one. So are you generally born with type one, generally? Um type one is uh, it, you're not really born with it, but you're because most most people don't have it from birth. Um but you are more likely to develop it earlier on in life. Okay, run us through the symptoms. 
Yeah, symptoms are, are, are fairly typical. Uh, it's the same for both. You, you get uh, an increased thirst. Um, you often find that you're, you're going for a wee much more often um, and often at night as well. Um, you can have weight loss, uh, fatigue. Um, you can get problems with recurrent thrush infections. Um, and if it, you can, if your blood sugar has gone up quite a bit, quite quickly, you can get problems with uh, blurring of your vision. Type 2 tends to come on quite slowly. So often the symptoms are quite gradual in their onset and, and you can add them for you know, several months even before you, you realise, wait a minute, there's something not right here. I best go and get it checked. Type 1 tends to come on much quicker. Um, and in that respect, it's, it, it can be and actually be when it presents a, a medical emergency. Patients not uncommonly need admitted to hospital for stabilisation um, at, uh, at, at the start of the, the, the journey. Yes, it was crazy for me with my type 1, which um, I got because of the immunotherapy drugs for my cancer. My eyes suddenly went and we were away. And one yeah. night I counted it because I couldn't believe it. I was up 10 times for a wee in the night. Mm. And I was so thirsty. I was having beers at lunchtime, which is unlike me. I was on holiday. I wouldn't normally do it. Yeah, I know you don't normally drink that. <laughs> but it was when my eyes went, it really scared me. It was yeah. literally overnight. I was sitting yep. close to the telly, made an appointment to go to Specsavers. Yep. Uh, it, it, it can, it's a pretty rapid onset thing, type one, that, that if it's not carefully managed, it can be very serious. Um, but once it's you know once it's been identified, treatment initiated, it's just a matter of stabilising it and, and getting you on the right dose of uh, insulin or, or the different insulins that you might need. Yeah, so I'm managing it okay. I had to stick between five and ten yep. a day, so um, not so bad. Tested as a nine before I came on, but that was probably quite high. Was the excitement of chatting to you? <laughs> uh, too kind, too kind. <laughs> But it is interesting. I sometimes find when I come off stage, it's gone up a little bit. And they've told me it probably has something to do with adrenaline. Yeah, very much so. Um, adrenaline does push it up. Um, that's partly why adrenaline works or how it works. Um, so you can often yeah, find that your blood sugar goes up a little bit, despite the fact that you've been, you know, you've been busy on stage. Um, you just got to then watch that it doesn't crash. Yes. Uh, I pull. Um, so yeah, it's but you, you you're becoming quite expert at uh, managing it. Yes, it went a little bit low yesterday, and I love having a jelly baby or two, so that was a real treat. Excuse <laughs> for them. <laughs> I love jelly babies, I really do. So tell us about getting tested then. So yeah, you can if if you feel you've got you know think oh my gosh I'm I'm, I'm up during the night I'm going to the loo lots. Um, Drinking gallons. Um, you know, what do I do? Yeah, well, go, go and see your doctor uh, or your, your nurse practitioner in the surgery. Take a urine sample along with you. Uh, they'll check that if you've got sugar in your in your uh, glucose in your your urine, then it's pretty certain that you've got diabetes. They probably do some blood tests, um, check your blood sugar, um, and check with another um, chemical that they check um, that tells them. Tells us what's what the blood sugar control's been like over the previous three months. So that's a it's a useful one for tracking people's progress over time. So it's called the hemoglobin A1. Um, and that that should be 
If it's over 48, then that confirms the diabetes. If it's between 42 and 47, I think it is, then then you're at risk of developing diabetes. And if it's less than 42, then you don't have diabetes. Well, so it's, it's ever so straightforward, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's, it's, a, it's an easy thing to diagnose. Um, and then it's just a matter of type 2 is easier to manage. And the vast majority of people with type 2 are managed in general practice and community. And they, they never go near the hospital apart from going for their, their eye screening on an annual basis. Um, it's a matter of getting them on, giving them advice about diet um, and starting them on medication. Um, and then just working through the different kinds of medication uh, needed to to get the blood sugars under control, um, and obviously making sure that blood pressure and the cholesterol are also managed. Those are really important to manage at the same time as the, the blood sugar. That is a fabulous overview, Doc. Let's let me throw ten myths at you, okay. if that's okay. So, myth one: type two diabetes is a mild form of diabetes. Yeah, that that that, that is a myth. They're, well, they're all myths. Um, there is no such thing as mild diabetes. Um, all diabetes is is, is serious, uh, and if it's not properly controlled, it can lead to serious complications. Type two diabetes does tend to come on much more gradually, um, but it can, if it's not properly managed, not looked after by the person who has diabetes and their clinicians, then you likely to develop serious complications. And once the complications are there, they're often irreversible. So best to get on top of it, keep on top of it. Perfect sense. Myth two, people with diabetes cannot have sugar and should avoid grapes and bananas. Now we were away and I had a load of grapes for breakfast thinking this is so healthy and my sugars went mad sky high. Yeah, so it, 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 it is a myth. Um, it, you know, having diabetes doesn't mean that you have to be sugar-free in everything you eat. Um, it's important that you have a healthy, balanced diet, low in fat, low in salt, and low in sugar. Um, but you should be able to avoid uh, to, to enjoy uh, a wide variety of foods. Um, grapes and bananas are are great um, as long as you do it in, in moderation and that you manage and mod- um, monitor your blood sugar then they, they are a good, healthy choice. Good, because I like grapes. Yeah. <laughs> Myth three, people with diabetes should eat diabetic foods. Now, this has been a huge thing over the years. You spend a fortune on diabetic chocolate, and it tastes yeah. pretty disgusting. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's no need to eat them. Um, they, they don't – they are an expensive, uh, unnecessary part of managing your diabetes. Um, you, you're quite right. There was a, a lot of companies marketed the diabetic this, diabetic that, um, cost a fortune, and actually they're they're not they're not necessary. Um, they still will affect your blood sugar, um, and they can also upset your tummy and you end up with diarrhea, which is it's not a good thing. I mean, you really don't want to be eating something that you know is likely to make you unwell. So keep to a healthy, balanced diet, and um, yeah, don't go don't go daft on on anything. But have a bit of chocolate occasionally. Absolutely. 
There we are. Doctor prescribing chocolate. This is why Dr. Ken is our favourite. In moderation, yes. In moderation, of course. Myth four, it's not safe to drive if you have diabetes. So I had to send my licence back to the DVLA and I worried a little bit. Yeah, so it, it's important um, that you realise that it can affect your, your ability to drive and you do have to notify the DVLA and your insurance company particularly if you've got type 1 diabetes. Um, you're not prevented from driving, um, but you need to let them know, and they will um, they will want to uh, review your, your your license and obviously your, your diabetes control. You have to, if you've got type one diabetes, it's a legal requirement that you check your blood sugar no more than two hours before you drive, and that you check it every two hours if you're on a longer journey. And that's really important because you can potentially run into problems and not realise it, and then you, you may have a, a road traffic accident, injuring yourself or others. And make sure that you do have snacks with you well, in case you do feel a bit hypo. In your case, it might be jelly babies or biscuits. Um, biscuits, yeah, chocolate biscuits, chocolate bars, that kind of thing, yeah. But you don't, um, you don't have to. Uh, avoid driving is it's it's fine to drive and you there is research that shows that people with diabetes are no less safe on the roads than anyone else ah so i got my license back okay and i think they check up on me once every three years is that right it was something like that yeah yeah it'll be that which is, is no great drama is it uh myth five people with diabetes can't play sport yeah that's another um another myth that um you, you can absolutely play sport, and it's really important that you do so as part of a healthy lifestyle. So eat healthily, be active, take part in exercise, um, and it, it helps reduce the risks of complications of diabetes, um, and it keeps you fit and healthy. There are numerous um, elite athletes who have had or have diabetes, um, possibly the, the most famous one, certainly one that I know of, being a former Oseman, is uh, Sir Steve Redgrave. Mm. Um, numerous gold, uh, Olympic gold medals um, in rowing, um, and he achieved that despite having diabetes. Um, you need to be careful with it. You need to watch that you're um, carefully managing your diabetes, particularly if you're doing a lot of exercise or very intense exercise or exercise that's going on for a long period of time. But if you if you approach it sensibly and you get advice from your, your, your healthcare team, there's absolutely no reason why you can, and in fact, every reason why you should be exercising and playing sport. So, what would long distance running do to your sugars then? Yeah, so they they, they potentially will uh, it, it will go down um, when you go long distance running. Um, you you use up your your initial. And glucose, and then you, your body starts to eat into uh, glycogen stores, which it converts into glucose. So, yeah, if you're going to do long distance running, you you do need to be pretty careful. I suppose it depends how long you're going to go. But if you're a marathon runner, you you've got to be pretty careful about gradually building up the distance, watching your blood sugar as you go. The the new monitors that are increasingly in use that um, Essentially, just monitor your blood sugar all the time. The, the freestyle Libra monitors are fantastic for uh, helping people to 
carefully monitor their blood sugar as frequently as necessary. Brilliant. Myth six, people with diabetes are more likely to, to get colds and other illnesses. Yeah, the, 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 there is some research that if you've got diabetes, you may be at a greater risk of developing some illnesses, but it, it's not particularly uh, inclusive um, in terms of, of, of the research. Um, there are certain illnesses that are more common um, with with diabetes or that if you get them, you may become more unwell or unwell for longer Um and you just have to be very careful with diabetes if you, you know, if you do have a bad flu or a more serious viral illness that you, you know, you're carefully probably needing to monitor your blood sugars a little bit more often just to make sure that they're not shooting up or indeed shooting down. Are there certain jobs you can't do if you're a diabetic? Um, I don't think you can, um, fly. You can't, uh, I'm sure you can be a pilot, but, um, and, and there are uh, certainly some areas in the, the armed forces that you're uh, you're not able to, uh, to to be employed. But generally speaking, diabetes is 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 covered under the Equality Act, um, and the vast majority of jobs uh, are perfectly accessible for people um, with diabetes. Important if you if you're going forward for a job that you disclose that um, at the appropriate time in the process. And your employer should obviously be aware and able to make whatever arrangements are necessary to ensure their health and well-being. So here's a myth I wasn't even aware of. Uh, myth eight, people with diabetes can't wear flight socks. Yeah. True or myth, Doc? No, uh, that's, that's, uh, that's not true. Um, if you've got um, poor circulation, which is one of the potential you know, longer-term complications of diabetes, where the small blood vessels in the, the lower legs, um, the lower limbs, rather, um, start to get narrowed um, and the circulation is not good or if you've got ulcers, then you you need to just seek some specialist advice about is it okay for me to use these. But generally speaking, um, if you've not got any of those uh, particular complications or problems and you're going on a long-distance flight, then you, uh, you you should consider wearing flight socks. Absolutely. Are you into flight socks yourself when you jet off to your little hideaway in Jamaica? <laughs> in Jamaica, South Spain. Um, I, I, I wore them when I went, uh, last time I went to America. About, I haven't been to America very often, but when I went on a, a long-haul flight, yes, I did wear them. Um, but travelling in Europe, um, I Greece or Spain, whatever I haven't, I don't wear them then. I hope they were tartan as well. <laughs> yeah. uh, the old horrible white ones, I'm afraid. <laughs> Myth number nine, people with diabetes can't cut their own toenails. Yeah, it's just not true at all. Who started that? What's that about? It's Yeah, so people with diabetes, um, as part of their kind of routine management and monitoring, they should see a podiatrist. Uh, and uh, have their eye check done on an annual basis. And that's really just to make sure that their their, their skin care and their feet is, is good. And uh, one of the complications that you can get is you can get loss of sensation in your in your feet, and then you may not be aware that you've got a problem with the sole of your feet. Oh, I see. 
So it's it's about making sure you're looking after yourself. Um, but absolutely, you can cut your own toenails. Just do it properly, do it safely, and um, there's no reason for uh, for not doing it. And finally, myth number 10, people with diabetes eventually go blind. Yeah, so it, it is one of the leading causes of blindness um, in the UK. Um, but if you manage your diabetes well and you make sure you're managing your blood pressure as well and your cholesterol and you're staying active, eating a healthy diet and you don't smoke, then you, you know you can significantly reduce your, your chance of developing um, blindness with diabetes. So it's, it, it's all about looking after yourself. So being diabetic, type 1, type 2, gestational, it's not the end of the world, is it? Absolutely not. No, I mean, a lot of people, it, it's particularly children, it, or, you know, teenagers, it, it does take them a little bit of time to to get uh, used to the fact that um, you know they're, they're a little bit different in that respect, but not the end of the world at all. And it really shouldn't hold you back from doing lots of activities, pretty much any job, and having a good, healthy, balanced diet. And talk to us about the future, Doc. Any exciting things you've you've heard about that may be coming along? Yeah. So the the, the at the moment the, the the big thing that's that has happened is these monitors that the you see people with them attached to their arm, little white disc um, that actually monitors their blood sugar almost constantly, and it alerts and alarms for them if their blood sugar goes up or down with whatever parameters which is a great idea. Um, the, the, in terms of the future, there's various um, uh, research underway into immunotherapy um, to, to stop the body's cells destroying the insulin-producing cells in the, in the pancreas. Um, there's also some research looking at an artificial pancreas being implanted into the body in a, in a safe um package that doesn't allow the uh, the cells to the body cells to destroy it um and it that there is some evidence about um some exciting research more about um weight management programs people with type 2 diabetes who are overweight significantly overweight if they can manage to get that down then often their their blood sugar um comes down with it and they may actually no longer require medication for it, um, and as well as being no no longer diabetic, they're obviously also healthier and fitter, and they're more likely to be more active as well. So, yeah, there's lots of uh, lots of good things happening now, and potentially really exciting things coming along uh, in the in the future. Doc, that's been brilliant. Really super helpful. Catch you next time on the Men's Health Matters podcast with Steve Legg and Dr. Ken. Until then, stay happy, hearty and healthy.